0: Oh, so are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. and grace <clears> Through death into life everlasting He passed and we follow him there Over us sin no more hath me. For more than conquerors we are. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. His word shall not fail you. He promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world. In the light of His glory and grace. Well, let's go ahead and take our
1: Bible. Turn over to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 16. Read through chapter 4 verse 5 this evening. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. <clears throat> and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, we've been dealing with the book of Timothy for some time on and off. And we're going to continue with that as we try to do our best throughout these next weeks to finish up uh, 1 Timothy uh, completely. Now, we'll see how long that takes us between this and that and everything going on. But nonetheless... We do have uh, this particular character or person by the name of Timothy. He actually lived. Stand up, would you, brother? <clears throat> yeah, just stand straight up. The, the, Matthew here is a real person. Matthew's, I mean, I know some of you question that. But uh, he is legitimately a real person. And again, he's got feelings and he's... hes uh, you know, he's got aspirations and goals and desires and longings, and he has just all kind of uh, expectation about his future. Let me tell you something. That, that Timothy was a young man like this one day. Timothy was just a normal young fella, just like Matthew is. And the fact is, is that he had a heart for God at the point that he trusted Christ and he began to grow in the things of Christ and the apostle Paul of course became a tremendous mentor to him and boy I tell you what he just really loved the Lord and he loved the apostle Paul and he loved the ministry and ultimately God would send him to Ephesus where there he would ultimately take the uh, uh, the reins and he would pastor the church and he would help to squelch any kind of apostasy and seek to bring peace and, and, and prosperity to that ministry and church and of course we read in the book of Revelation chapter 3 that it was really a very good church of course the Bible says if there was one indictment on that church it was that they, they left their first love now again of all the churches that one the least indictments and the Timothy, Timothy uh, being directed there by the apostle Paul a real person a real man uh, did the work of God almost 2,000 years ago. Sometimes it's easy to forget that Timothy was a real person yeah. or that the Apostle Paul was just like you and I. Yeah, that's right. But Timothy and Matthew, there are no difference. They're just young men that wanted to love the Lord, serve the Lord, and do something great on God's behalf. Thank you, brother. So we have, we have Timothy here. And Timothy, of course, is going to do a tremendous job and ultimately, we believe without doubt, based on what we can understand from Scripture, that He did accomplish His calling, that He did perform well in light of the battle that He faced. And for that, we're grateful. We come to the end of chapter 3, which is really the beginning of a, a new section for us as a uh, uh, in our study, if you will. And in that particular verse, and we've already discussed it, so we don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but... Paul summarizes the essential elements of the faith and the truth of which the church is custodian, that we're responsible to keep and maintain and care for. In that particular verse, we see a number of important truths taught. We see the deity of Christ elevated and magnified. We see the deity and the power of the Holy Spirit alluded to. We notice the truth of one body in Christ, that the Jew and Gentile are one in the Lord. Uh, we note the evangelization of the the world really being refer, referred to or spoken of and ultimately the ascension and the return of the Lord there. All of these major doctrines that we hold so near and dear to our heart seem to be summarized or capsulized in chapter 3 verse 16. And then we, we it's right, and then immediately we jump right into chapter 4, and he says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. From this particular verse, as we, we jump out of 16, right into chapter 4, it seems that the apostles, concerned about some apostasy, concerned about problems that could creep into the church and ultimately wreck and ruin the lives of men and women boys and girls i'm going to tell you that the truth is is that nothing has changed from then to now the fact is is that apostasy is still a weapon of satan it's still a tool that the devil uses to try to thwart the efforts of christ to reach the world with the gospel now again with that said, this particular doctrine or this false doctrine, apostasy that the apostle seems to be concerned about, seems to, could very well have been what was called Gnosticism. And it was really prevalent in the churches in those days. Now, the Gnostics were a powerful group. They were a group, however, that denied that God had manifested himself in the flesh. Now, right off the bat, there were those that were trying to say that, that Jesus was not God. Well, there's people that try to say that today. But these Gnostics denied that God was, had manifested Himself in the flesh. So chapter 3, verse 16 seems pretty would seem pretty uh, important then, wouldn't it? They also said that His body was a spirit or a delusion or that it was composed of heavenly substances. They, made this, they, 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 they They, said that, all, that they, uh, basically they attacked the Godhead of Jesus Christ. They viewed him as some kind of inferior deity or angelic being. Gnostics uh, held the position that Jesus was just an ordinary human before, get this now, before the Christ, a mighty spirit, descended at the time of his baptism. So he was just a man like you and I, normal Joe, but then all of a sudden at his baptism... This spirit falls upon him, empowering him, enabling him, and he becomes the Christ at that point. This is a Gnostic belief. Again, they're heresies. It's apostasy. That's right. Now, as a result of that, the Apostle Paul urged the Ephesian elders by saying, he said, feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So we're to feed the church. We're to try to, you know, insert doctrine. We're to try to. and and do our very best to build up the church. Why? Because Satan is always trying to insert some kind of false doctrine, somehow trying to get us off of the truth of the Word of God and onto our own feelings, our own ideas, possibly the world's philosophy and ideologies. And so we have to be grounded and rooted in the Word of God. It's not enough to simply come to church, and it's not enough to simply... Uh, read your bible a few minutes a day we really have to ingest digest and ultimately be you know understand and know the word of god in a very practical manner it's not enough they say just to rush through it we need to know it we need to really have it hidden in our heart and be able to share it with others as well now We are to understand that apostasy was a problem in the early church. And if it was a problem in the early church, then it is definitely a problem today. Amen. It's something that has to be watched over, dealt with. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Wow. That's amazing to me. The word depart literally means to apostatize. And, and again... The faith that they're talking about is a body of truth. It's not just somebody says, you know what? My faith's a little weak. I'm struggling. No, we're talking about they're departing from the, the, the foundation of faith. We're talking about that 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 type of faith. They're rejecting. They're denying Christ, the resurrected Christ. They're denying the deity of Christ. They're ultimately saying we don't believe the faith anymore. And it's apostasy. The faith as described and defined by the Word of God. Not the faith described and defined by some religious leader or pastor or, or, or group. See, everyone can, can come up with their own definition of who and what God is. Anyone can do that. But the Bible defines who God is. He left the Word of God on purpose so that you and I would not be able to, to as it's interpreted our way, if you will. See, the, the word of God is, is of no private interpretation. What's that mean? That means that you and I do not come to our own conclusion. See, it's not about what do you think that verse means. It doesn't matter what you think that verse means. What does God's word say it means? And that's what's really important here. And that's what he's trying to help us understand is that the foundation by which we base our faith is based on the foundation that's unchanging your attitude and mindset will change the fact is is when you were 20 years old you thought differently than you do at 50 you see things differently because you've experienced a little bit of life you understand things from a different perspective and you honestly and i look at the word of god differently than we did when we were 20 even and and there's nothing wrong with that and that's all right The fact is, though, is that sometimes if we're not careful because of maybe our experience or our age or our life, we think we can define what God means from a verse when in reality it has to be what He says it is. So it's important that we understand the Word of God and that we, we, I mean, a 20-year-old that's not married is going to have a little harder time understanding Ephesians chapter 5. But Ephesians chapter 5 will always be the same whether you're 20, 50, or 100. And so... Timothy is in Ephesus, where men who have tremendous influence, like Hymenius, men like that, who would ultimately be able to discourage the brethren, misdirect them even, him and Alexander. Look, if you will, first Timothy chapter one. First Timothy chapter one. The Apostle Paul is letting us understand that way back then there was this problem with apostasy, false doctrine, this teaching that came from the heart of man instead of the mind of God. And it's so imperative that we, under, that we look at the Word of God as it is given, not how we understand things. Notice again here it says <clears throat> in 1 Timothy 1.19, he's speaking about Himanias and Alexander here. Again, prominent men in the church at Ephesus. They were, I mean, I have no reason to believe that they weren't Christians. I, but they're messed up. Someone says, well, you can't go into apostasy if you're a Christian. And you can't commit adultery either then, right? mean, what is this deal? Do you know how many Baptists are in, are in false churches now? Are they saved? I don't know. You judge them. But last I checked, that's not my job. What I do know is, is this. Your salvation is not based on what you think. And it's not based on what you do. I know that much. And if that wasn't the case, I probably wouldn't have the courage to stand up in front of you today. Because my salvation is all about Him, not me at all. Now watch what he says here holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I, have deli- whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. What's going on here? Apostle Paul says these two men, these two men have started to stray away from truth. So what am I going to do? I'm going to turn them over to Satan. Why would he have to turn them over to Satan if they weren't his? The Lord's. The fact is, is that he's saying, I'm going to go ahead and let him get chastened a while. I'm going to let him take it on the chin a while because I want him to straighten up and wise up to the truth. You're right. Now, the fact is, is that what we have here is we have two men who would be very prominent, like maybe Mr. Kavanaugh in the church and maybe another one of the very stout men that people really appreciate in the church and look up to and elevate high and think, wow, they really got it together. But in reality, they did not have it together. Oh, well, those, you know, I I don't know, man. I, you know, they, they, what they're saying makes sense to me. Well, does it line up with Scripture? Because that's all that really matters. Right. Hymenius and Alexander were very prominent men in the church. They had done some tremendous works on behalf of God. But yet now they've taken a step outside of the Word of God and they begin to promote doctrine that ultimately is considered heresy. And notice how they're... Lives are described, shipwreck. Isn't that an interesting term? And again, their lives are pictured as shattered and broken vessels, confined to and tormented by those rocky shores. You can just see that broken ship being battered against the the rocks on shore. The wind shredding it, tearing it to pieces. They're no longer fulfilling their purpose for which they were created. They're simply existing amidst the wind and waves of life. And they're just shadows of what they used to be. Paul describes this kind of apostasy as an overthrow in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 18. Look there, please. 2 Timothy 2, 18. <clears throat> Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Now again, here we have those that are teaching that the resurrection is past already. That already those that have be taken have been taken, so to speak, That that... That things aren't, you know, we, we, we know and understand that Christ is returning. We understand some doctrines that give us hope, the blessed hope, and some things like that. But in this particular case, notice again, they're, they're erring in this area of truth. And they overthrow the faith of some. So what that means is this. These young men are solid and straight, uh, very convinced in their mind toward Jesus Christ, toward His return, toward their resurrection... Toward their ultimate home in heaven. And all of a sudden these men or certain people. They depart from the truth and they begin to peddle this heresy. And they ultimately as the Bible says here. They overthrow the faith of some. Now what's it mean to overthrow? Well we kind of understand that. We understand kind of what that means to overthrow. if I overthrow a government I take it over. And in a sense, he wrecks and ruins their faith. Well, listen, that can happen in this church. Somebody shows up here and starts saying stuff like... You know, the, the King James Bible, you know, that's not that important. And standards don't really matter. And, and separation from the world's not as important as it used to be. And that's not really an issue anymore. And purity and holiness don't even have a, shouldn't really be emphasized so much. And soul winning, that just doesn't belong anymore. It's just, you beat it too much like a dead horse. It just gets old. And, you know, hey, wait, last I checked, that stuff's all in the Bible. And so what happens is that certain people depart, if they're not careful, would depart from the faith, begin to peddle these falsehoods and overthrow the faith of some of these young men and ladies or even some of you older ones that are so, so still not rooted and grounded in your faith. And you start to go, yeah, yeah, that does. That's, I agree. I, I think we ought to preach a lot more on just being happy. Those messages ought to lift us up. We ought to leave church feeling good about ourselves all the time. Well, that's not the Bible. That's right. it's not what the Bible teaches. I'm not saying that a preacher should try to hurt people and tear people and shred people to pieces. That's not what I'm referring to. But I'm saying that there's an element. Reprove, rebuke, ex- exhort with all suffering. Exhorting is only one aspect of the three. Apostasy. An apostate holds on to a false religion, one that is inconsistent with the revealed truth of Christianity. Now, where do we find the revealed truth of Christianity? In the Word of God. Listen, if I come to to ten people here and I said, what do you believe about the Cleveland Cavaliers? Have you watched the games? Yeah, I watched the games. Okay, then what do you believe about the Cleveland Cavaliers? I'd probably get ten different takes. You want to know why? Because everybody sees things their own way. If you we saw, if there was an accident that took place right outside here, and we all saw the same accident, there's a good possibility we'd describe it in different terms. We have saw the same exact one, one may be standing here, one on the other side of the street, one down the road there, and one up the street there. And all four of us would say, well, I saw this, and this is what happened. And you know what? In one sense, you might be right in one sense from your perspective. But remember whose perspective only matters in the, word, in, in the things of Christ. His. And that's why we have to be careful. We have to be so careful. It, it's not about a person having the right perspective. It's not, well, your pastor, I have the right perspective, therefore you should hear me out and do what I say. No, it's not that. That's not what this is about. What it's about is where does the pastor and where do you stand on this right here? It doesn't matter what you think or what I think. Apostates think they're right. They're convinced they're right. They're so convinced of it, they're teaching others their truths. In their own mind. It's truth in their mind. People that believe in evolution are convinced they're right. But are they right? You say no. Well, are they not right because you say they're wrong? Is that what makes them wrong? Because you say so? Of course not. Doesn't matter what. I can stand here all day. You evolutionists don't have a clue what you're talking about. You're wrong. You're wrong. Why am I wrong? Because I say so. Would that make them wrong because my opinion is different than theirs? Of course not. It's that they depart or are inconsistent with the revealed truth of the word of God. That's what makes it wrong. Now, let me just get where the rubber meets the road. You say I won't spank my children. Okay, now we're on... This is why we're not going to have... Now listen to me. This is why we will not have an open forum on our live stream when we get to the new building. Because when I say what I'm saying right now, I'm going to, incite, I, I'm going to encourage the attack of the world. I'm not going to say anything unscriptural here. But what I'm going to say is something that is, is not politically correct. So, so when we get to the new building, you're going to have to have a code you have to be part of our church family to be part of the church family meeting. Because there's some things that you don't say in public to your family that you say in private to them. Yeah. Yeah. See, we don't, we don't take, when we sit down as a family, we don't say everything. Yeah. I say things to my kids in private that I'd never say to the world. That's right. That's right. And that's why here tonight, you're going to hear me say this. And if you're sitting out there listening and you want to, oh, you could find reason to attack. Because you don't believe the Bible. But here's the bottom line. If you say, I don't believe it's in my child's best interest that I, that I use the rod. I'll use the Word of God term so that I don't get in any trouble here. Then you have said that, basically, I know more than God does. And you, if you, tell, you start going around telling other people, I don't think it's right, to, to use the rod on children. It's wrong. You are spreading apostasy. You're an apostate. And you say, whoa, 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 that's not that big a deal. I can't believe you're, this is only the major doctrines of the Word of God that he's talking. No, let me tell you, if you can be off in that area, you can certainly be off in a lot of other areas that are even more important. That one's a pretty clear area is what I guess I'm saying. Now, listen, this is why it's important at every level that we adhere to this book because apostates hold to a false religion. That religion is a product of their own mind and upbringing. They determine what truth is based on experience often or worldly knowledge and influence. And you can be a Christian and follow the Word of God and then all of a sudden get a hold of some bad doctrine and it'll mess you up. Yeah, yes, sir. You, you, you ever wonder why or how it's possible that people can go from a fundamental Bible-believing Baptist church where they have solid standards, they got a good Bible, they're soul-winning, and next thing you know, they'll leave and they'll go to churches where the music is the world. It's obvious. You listen to it and you go, that sounds like the stuff I listen to when I'm at the mall. Now, notice I didn't say while you are out driving to work. Well, that sounds like the junk you're listening to in the mall. You ever go to the mall, and you're like, wow, and you remember all that stuff, but you think, oh, that sounds like the world. I know what the world sounds like. It shouldn't sound that way in church then. Well, well, but how is it possible that we can say, I believe in godly, separated music, and then five years later, we don't have a problem with it? how is that possible it's because no matter how separated you are no matter how godly you have become the fact is as we are all susceptible to false teaching we're all capable of drinking in something that will ultimately make us toxic we're reminded of the days of noah they possessed the truth but they chose to abandon it to their own destruction. At some point, they made decisions that ultimately separated them from God's word and plan. Notice what it says in Matthew 24, 37. And this is why it's important, because we are on a crash course for apostasy, toward apostasy. I mean, it's just inevitable. It's the way it goes. As we get closer to the return of Christ, it'll only become more evident that apostates are standing in pulpits. Yeah. Yes, sir. It'll be more evident. We'll see it more clearly than ever that the Word of God has been either misinterpreted, as it's often referred to, or it'll be set aside. Watch what happens here in Matthew. But as the days of Noah were, verse 37 through 39, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now listen, this is not teaching that there'll be a lot of divorce and remarriage before he comes. That's not, the, that's not what it's emphasizing. That has nothing to do with this. What he's saying is, is that they're going about life like normal. Things are just giving in marriage, taking in marriage. It's just day-to-day routine. It's life. They're living. Right. These people were just living life. Right. And all of a sudden, just like that, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, just like we do every day in America today until Noah entered into that ark, and they knew not until the flood came. It was like, whoa. They honestly thought what they were doing was perfectly fine. They had no reason to doubt that the way they worshipped or what they did was wrong at all. They had just, it's life. It's just the way it is. And then I say that if we're not careful in the church, we begin to worship in a way that it's just the way it is. This is what we do. It's what everybody's doing now. So it's okay. can't be wrong. But we have to be very careful that we look into the face of Scripture consistently and regularly and that we allow it to continue to mold us and ultimately direct us into truth because this is truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Someone says, you know, Pilate says, well, what is truth, Jesus? That's what he asked Jesus. What's truth? And he was looking at truth. Christ. And the word of God. This is it. Thy word is truth. Somebody says, well, I would like to know what the truth is about this. Get in your Bible. You'll find out what the truth is. I just don't know what to do. So I've had three people tell me what I should do about my relationship with my child, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my mother and father. I don't know what to do. I don't, and what they're really saying is I don't know what the truth is. At least I hope they're seeking truth. Well, get in the Word of God. It'll, it'll confirm it. It'll tell you. You should be able to see it. It's right there. It'll tell you. If you've got a bad attitude, fix it because you don't have a right to have a bad attitude toward mom and dad. Sure, I'm yeah, I mean, just saying it's right there in the Scriptures. But we'll fight with it and we'll war with it. Why? Because we've been so ingrained in what the culture says is good and right. You don't have to obey a husband that's not right with God. That's what the culture says. Well, what's the Bible say? Would anybody like to tell us what the Bible says? Would anybody like to take the position of Christ in heaven? I'm just saying, what are we going to do about the Bible? Timothy goes to Ephesus and he is meeting men and women who have departed from the faith. And Paul, the apostle Paul is saying, you are a young man, Timothy. You've got a long ways to go in your life and you're, I'm going to throw you into a lion's den, but I'm confident with God's help you're able to stand firm because you have the truth and the truth will make you free and it will make every single one of those people free. They don't have to like you. They don't have to agree with you. They don't have to endorse you even, but they will have to deal with the word. And that's exactly what we've got to get back to instead of going, you know what? I just don't know if I agree with Quit. Just what does he say? And that's where we're going. Hey, early on in Noah's day, apostasy was flourishing. Guess what? As in the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So what's going to flourish in the days of the return of Christ? Apostasy. Get ready for it. You're going to have people telling you things that don't line up with Scripture all the time. And you may even find that it's family, friends. You may find that it's even church members. Church members that say, you know, I understand this whole thing about (sighs) sodomites and all that. But you just don't understand. It's hard out there. You know, I, I think they're people too. Well, who said they weren't? Duh. I just I just don't think it's right to deny them happiness. I I I know that I don't agree with them being married, but I don't know what we're supposed to do. I mean I mean it's gonna happen anyway. We might as well just embrace it and deal with it and go forward and not make such a big deal with it. Well, you just peddled heresy. Yeah. That's not what the Bible teaches. Listen, there's no no I trust not one person in this room hates anybody. I hope there's not one person in this room that would deny a person that doesn't have the same um, direction sexually, if you will, or is confused in their sexuality. I would hope that you'd have compassion on them. I hope so. But we still can't say that it's not a non-factor. And may I say that separation from the world isn't changed either? Well, I just don't think it matters what women wear anymore. And I don't think it matters how guys dress. And I don't think it matters where we go. And I don't think it matters whether or not men and women bathe together or swim together or whatever. I don't think that matters. I don't think it matters what you watch if you go to the movies or not. I don't think it matters what you do. It doesn't matter anymore. It's no big deal anymore. So you mean to tell me for all these years, hundreds of years... Everything's changed since the last 30, 40 years. Everything's changed now. It's all good now. We've, they've been, they misinterpreted the Word of God all those years. We're finally figured it all out. We've been enlightened in the last couple decades. We know now that it's not that big a deal, and I don't know why pastors and churches are making a big deal, stuff like that. Well, I don't know. Last time I checked, if you read through the whole Old Testament and the New, you see that there's an element of separation that God expects and demands. Seems to me right off the bat he makes a distinction between men and women right in the Garden of Eden. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. You know what's going on? The same thing was going on in Ephesus. Apostasy. That's right. Amen. False doctrine. We're getting away from the Word of God. We're getting away from the truth. Yep. And we've created our own image of God we've created our own idea of Christianity and so the very battle that Timothy's fighting now is the battle that you and I fight today to maintain the purity of doctrine to maintain the Word of God in the truth above and beyond all things even our own opinions our own ideology and ideas See, destruction always results in the face of apostasy. It never ends up good. And as a parent, let me plead with you. Do not lower your standards for your children for fear of losing them. You will only throw them to the wolves. You are not helping. You will only hurt them. It is not okay to go to school dances as a believer still. It hasn't changed. We still don't go out and mingle with the world. It's not all right to get drunk, and it's not all right to go out and party. It's not all right to hang out with your friends when they're talking about obscene jokes and doing wrong things and bad stuff. I mean, nothing's changed except us. We got these bleeding hearts today, soccer mom attitudes. Can't be too tough on the kids. We'll lose them. Well, I can promise you this. You go down to Indian River down here, and you talk to uh, 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 all those boys down there, and you find out how many of them had good structure and solid rules set in their life. You'll find very, 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 very few of them did. Children don't need freedom, they need structure. You earn freedom. It comes with a price. You're not guaranteed it, nor are you given it for free. Look at the freedom America has experienced and the freedom that most of us take for granted today. It came with a tremendous price. But destruction always results in the face of apostasy. And it seems to be the road that we're traveling in America today. And again, our modern, our modern culture does reflect these characteristics today we're in an ever-changing moral culture right is not right and wrong is not wrong and everything changes but you know we're not given the luxury or the right to change what is already truth. it's already here Paul says let me tell you a little bit about the doctrine that the church is responsible for and is a custodian of. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. And then right away, he steps in to this aspect of apostasy and says, Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, that's after the death of the apostles, even into the day in which we live, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. So they depart from the faith. You know what that means? There's people that you served in the faith together with who will depart from the very faith that you once shared fellowship in. You don't have to worry. I, I don't, I'm not worried probably about, and I, I made a, bit, you know, a little bit of a deal about this and that, but I'm not too worried about you know, some of the cultural changes being made out in the world today and how it is, I hope it's not reflecting on your life and your attitude. I hope not. But, but you, know where, you know where the real danger is? Right here in the Word of God? It's, it's right here. It's, it's, it's right here, right there between the two of them. It's Him and Him. They have the potential to hurt one another. See, they both claim the faith. And what makes this so deadly is that the very one that you trusted is the very one that will now tell you you're wrong even though they believed exactly like you did. Isn't that sad? See, that's what he's talking about, and that's why he's so concerned about the church at Ephesus. A great church! And I believe we have a great church. But how quickly greatness can crumble if we allow apostasy to sneak in and begin to take root. Because it's so subtle, because it's the guy... And the gal sitting right next to you that you trusted who now has departed from the faith. You're going to have to keep your guards up. I'm not saying you've got to walk around worried about everything. But when somebody says something to me, I'm I, just like I do anywhere, everywhere, we have to be going, hmm, well, is that what the Bible teaches? Is that what God's Word says? And that's why you and I need to know this book. Not just... Remember a message here or there, but really know our Bible because that's what we're responsible for. And in the end, that's the only thing that will keep us and our families on track. It's the Word of God. Love this book. Learn this book. Live this book. It's the only thing that will provide protection and preservation in your life, your family, your future. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for all that you do for us and all that you mean to us. Lord... It's so important, Father, that we love this book, the Word of God, and that we don't allow ourselves to be influenced by the world.